0: Welcome to the Property Nomads podcast. Just a very quick introduction to this episode. Uh, a little while ago, I interviewed uh, Nana Pierce for the Property Nomads podcast, and it was, it was pretty awesome. We spoke about a lot of things. And then I was interviewed on the Penga Flooder podcast uh, with Nana himself. So this is that episode from the Penga flirter podcast. We'll talk about macroeconomics, what the property market's doing. Also talk uh, a lot about using sourcing agents and we look at the different perspectives between using sourcing agents when you're not based in the uk and then even using sourcing agents when you are based in the uk and how does it work things to look out for it was it was an awesome recording really enjoyed doing this with nana so a shout out to himself there's a lot of awesome content in here as well so enjoy this is uh, myself uh with nana on the Pengafolder podcast. Welcome to the Pengafolder podcast with your hosts Nana and Emily. They invest remotely in the UK and live in Sweden. In this podcast they will be interviewing interesting guests that all invest in the UK property market.
1: Today we have Robert Smallbone. How is it?
0: Yeah, thank you very much, Nana, for the invitation. Uh, great to be able to feature on uh, the Pengafleur podcast. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. So I found your podcast. I think it was when I was uh, working, and uh, I like uh, I'm I'm a nomad <laughs> because we <laughs> we were we invest. <laughs> In UK, we live here. But uh, I like traveling. I like... So we share a lot of uh, same uh, interests. You like football? I like football. <laughs> so, yeah. So I stumbled on it and I thought like, okay, why not ask him to jump on our podcast? So who is Robert?
0: For us, that's a, that's a tough open-ended question. <laughs> At the best of times. Uh, uh, who am I? Um, well, I suppose if, if I'm going to be philosophical about it, I think I don't know because I think we're learning about ourselves every day. So it's difficult to really assess who I am. But if, if you want a sort of a, a brief background, so my traveling, uh, my traveling, my background really is uh, usual stuff. I uh, grew up, went to school, uh, went to university, didn't know any better, got my degree, uh, got that in two thousand and ten, then uh, went traveling around southeast Asia and, and across the USA uh, by land that 's good fun uh, came back to the u k went way back to, well went to work for a couple two and a half years, um, saved up, went to the World Cup in Brazil in two thousand and fourteen, and then from there traveled around South America and Central America with what is now my business partner. Um, finished out in 2015, came back to the UK, and yeah, you know, we'd had multiple conversations about you know getting involved in property. You know, so many bus journeys and and everything like that. And yeah, started doing research property wise in 2015. Uh, set up our company, Devoy and Smallbone Properties, in 2016. And, and from there, we've you know every day's a new day, um, mainly by to let investing in the north of England, and. One thing's led to another, and yeah, the the host of or co-host of the uh, Property Nomads podcast as well. So that's me in a nutshell.
1: Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. First, the football. I wanted to go to the World Cup. I really wanted to go before all of this war. <laughs> I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> no. But um, uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> But that's very interesting. That's what I mean. That's why I said that we share a lot of, uh, in the the same interests, like traveling, etc. So, I, if I'm recalled right, you're based in Hull, right?
0: Uh, Yes, at the time of recording, yes, based in Hull, in the northeast or east of England. Yes.
1: Yeah. So is that also where you invest or do you invest uh, everywhere? Um, yeah, it's the main area for investment. Uh, we
0: have, sort of, we've created this triangle of an investment area. So uh, we, the main area is Hull and we also invest in Burnley uh, in Lancashire and then also uh, in the Rotherham area as well. So South Yorkshire. Um, reason for that being that we didn't want to put all our eggs in one basket and have it in the same place you know
1: I mean smart
0: you know those those that know hull and I'm not making a scientific prediction for 50 years time but hull is very flat and uh, you know with a concern of rising water levels you know that that could that could be challenging in years and years to come or you know for the people that inherit the portfolio kids or whatever um, so we've got this sort of triangle approach as well but to be fair with you, you now it's you know if you're going down the sort of a buy to let strategy in the north of England uh, it really doesn't matter where you go you just pick a town and do it you know pretty much every town's going to have the similar characteristics you know going to have a railway station or, or a bus station they're going to be relatively well connected and, and people are you know going to rent so yeah that we just picked areas and and
1: just that's it so so this uh, triangle uh, strategy that you guys are doing that's uh i never heard about it very smart of you guys that like you mentioned that you diversified uh, you don't want to put all of your eggs in one basket who came up with it and how how long is the distance you know from each uh town or city if i may ask yeah of course um we didn't really
0: come up with it we never actually planned it uh we we, we use property sources um for for most of our projects and you know again through networks and through knowing people but we, we got given an opportunity in in burnley and in 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 rotherham and you know we analyzed the numbers we done our homework we looked at the area and, you know, you mentioned about football. Ironically, that is normally how I associate something. It's not, does it have a football team? But, you know, it, it does help, believe it or not. It's, it's, it's strange, but it does help. Um, so, it, yeah, we didn't plan it. It, it. it just happened. In terms of distances, Hull to Rotherham, probably about an hour um, by car, I'd say. Uh, and then from Hull to Burnley, two, two and a half hours um, and then Rotherham to Burnley again, about two, two and a half hours so it's not that much it's, yeah, it's not that big a distance to be fair
1: So, so w- when you jumped, you said you mentioned you use sources, like uh, uh, mostly of, of the listeners here uh, did you know the areas before or did you do like a desktop uh, research and then you were like, okay, this look good, let's go ahead. Or did you visit the area? How did you guys move forward?
0: So in terms of, in terms of Hull, there's, there's a lot of incentives. mean, uh, this was back in 2015, 2016. There was a lot of, of incentives to do with renewable energy. You know there's some massive for those that are familiar with hull there's some you know some massive wind turbines uh wind farms just off of the coast uh, and you know just off of the in the north sea and yeah renewable energy whether we like it or not that's really what's going to happen in the next 20 30 40 years in our lifetime is to have this push towards how eco-friendly can we be and, and, and hull has you know a lot of investment from the local council and also from the government for you know for long-term renewable energy so that's why we ended up in Hull you know big big town uh, sorry decent city um you know a a very big rental town to be fair Uh, a lot of renters up here and that was it you know I'm from the south of England originally I'm from a place called Reading um but moved up you know purposely moved up to Hull just to be you know I wanted to be in the local area I like traveling around I didn't want to you know I'm happy to get involved in a new way of life and, and that was that so but how did we how do I know Burnley and Rotherham um didn't know the areas particularly well but again I'll go, I'll go back to football and I love geography so you know I know where Burnley is you know I'd, I'd never been before until this opportunity was presented but I knew roughly where it was because again that's football but um i love geography i'm also a bit of a railway fanatic um so i read a few magazines and there's always different developments going on so you know oh this train line's been opened or that's going to open or there's going to be something new here and again that sounds a bit geeky but that can provide really incredibly useful economic data because if people don't know that but you know a new railway station's coming yeah that that's key for investment so it, 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 yeah it was a combination I didn't know much about the areas before we, we started investing but um, over time you again you get presented with a deal you do your homework you do your analysis you ring around the agents visit the area does it, is it going to work and then you just have to make a judgment call and and we did and you know thankfully that the properties have you know so far so good
1: yeah, that that's really funny that you uh, associate with the football. Cause I I when we started uh, uh, with this property journey, every time we're like, oh yeah, that they have a team, they have a team. Yeah, this <laughs> this and this because you know you recognize all of the name from the towns from uh, in the football in championship in the Premier League, and you just like ah okay. But you didn't know how many, how much the population and etc was. But that's really good. And like you said, the the geeky stuff. That's really good stuff because then you're ahead of the game, because you know what's happening with the trail. And majority of people use uh, railway and uh, yeah, motorway. So if you know that, then you you're ahead. So yeah, that's a good geeky tool that you got. So, what do you think we should think of when doing with Sorcerers? What question do you ask them?
0: Oh, that's a good question, Nana. I'm quite cynical. I like to know everything. Uh, That's just part of my nature. So, for me, I want to know how long they've been in operation what's the name of the company, you know, search on company's house. What do other people say about them? You know, clients that they've done deals with, do they have good deals or do they, you know, if they say it's off market, is it off market? It's very easy to, (laughs) you know, have an off market deal that you can then go and find on Rightmove. Um, I want to know if they've got all their certification in place, you know, do they have AML in place? Uh, so, for those that don't uh, know what that is, that's anti-money laundering. Uh, you, as a source, you've got to have that in place. Uh, are they part of the PRS scheme uh, or the property ombudsman? Um, you know, uh, the, the rest, the basic homework I could do myself. I think every investor needs to do the basic homework. You know, about an area. You know, that's important. So, yeah, I'll, I'll ask everything. Um, it's, it's a it's you know, as you've said many a time before it it, and as many other people have it's a people business and you know i'd rather ask questions because it works two ways those people don't know what i've got and i don't know what they've got you know for all they know you know they might look at me and go oh no he's another time waster i could be sat with five million pound going if i like you i'll do i'll do a do a day you know but they don't know that yeah yeah by the way i haven't for those that don't, don't email me. I haven't got £5 million in my bank. I'll let you know that for now. I will at some point, but, but not now. Um, so, yeah, I want to know everything because there's there's so many dodgy people out there that don't understand the rules. And, you know, we've, we've just got to be careful. So, yeah, I, I want to know everything. And I will ask a lot of questions.
1: Yeah. So that leads me into... Why do you use sourcers? Why don't you uh, buy your own uh, properties and, you know, do all of the project management, all of this stuff? Is it because you want to be like an armchair investor or, yeah, why? Um,
0: well, multiple reasons. Um You know, I'm I'm not, despite hosting a podcast, I'm not much of a people person. Um I'm really not uh, now. The reason for that is uh, I'm I'm autistic, so I, I fail to get emotions. I don't get people personally. Um, you know, I love doing these recordings and you know being on podcasts and hosting podcasts because I love to listen and understand. But I don't I don't get these subtle clues that you know through body language and stuff like that. So now I've learned that over time um, when we started in property it was you know mainly myself doing a lot of the rushing around and getting things done and but I found I was I, I get frustrated very quickly if things aren't done how I like them to be done so you know so Aaron and I over time we've just looked at it and gone well okay what system and process works for us um you know of course we've got our network we we do talk to people and you know most of the opportunities that we do get actually just come from people that we know um but yeah so that, that's probably the main the main reason it's just developing i'm not much of a people person and not because i want because i don't want to be it's just i don't get people to be fair so yeah so being involved in a people business is quite interesting um but Aaron, Aaron takes care of most of that, um, and I just—I've never really liked the chase of it. To be fair, um, I love—I like property. I love—I love, I love the information, and I love bits and pieces. I, you know, stuff like that—it's it's really good. But yeah, in terms of like trying to project manage, I am the worst project manager. It, do, do not ask me to project manage anything. I'm useless at it. <laughs> um, but everyone's got their own skill sets, haven't they? And I think if you know yourself, then you know that that will help your business move forward. And every day is a new day.
1: Yeah, obviously it has moved forward because you've been buying a lot of deals going forward. So as long as, like you say, you just need to be aware of what you're good of and what you're not. And I'm not going to sit here and say I'm good at spreadsheets and et cetera, but I know my missus is. So why should I even go into that? Even if she really wants me to understand it a bit how you can do it etc but i'm like i should just focus on on my strengths and uh, basically that's what you're doing so yeah good good on you there good on you there so that leads me into uh my third question so what do you think is a reasonable amount paying a sorcerer
0: that depends on the deal
1: that, that. If you're doing a buy to let now, because okay. I, I think that's what we're talking about, right? Yeah. Um, or because you do buy, you're doing buy to lets, right? Or or do you have a other HMOs and commercial, or you're you're mainly doing buy to lets? If I if I recall it right.
0: That's correct. Yeah, our our, our main strategy is is buy to let. For
1: me, I'm happy
0: to pay. Well, I say I, we are we're happy to pay around about three thousand. You know, if if the deal if the deal passes our criteria, and you know you got you've got two different types of deal. So, right in our opinion, you've got two different types of deal. You've you've got the ones where you can obviously buy below market value, add value, refurb, and you can you know come in and out of the deal relatively quickly. We've got the other approach, which is again a very long term approach, is. Let's just say we've got an investor that's got fifty thousand pounds, and they are happy to give us the finance for a couple of years. Then, depending on the property and what what's going on, we might just buy the property on with a mortgage for on a two-year fixed period. Do some work over time, and then in a couple of years' time, refinance, give the investor their their money. So we've got two ways of doing it, and. It depends what approach you want to take with it. But now, in answer to your question, I'd say 3,000 is reasonable. Um, again, it depends on the numbers. If it's a, a true, as they say, money in, money out deal, which you know they're, they're not impossible to get. They're, they're rare, but they're not impossible. And I've seen people, you know, charge 5,000 for that. Then, you know, it's a cost of business. Is the way that I'd look at it. So. Depends on the deal, but $3,000, i would say is ballpark. I'd say that's reasonable for a decent buy-to-let deal.
1: Yeah, okay, that's good. So that leads me into this question that you mentioned, this, is this follow-up question. You said that you have this second strategy that you do with your investors, that you take their money and then uh, you park it, and then after two years you refinance. Have you actually done that and see the capital growth uh, go up and give back the money to the investor yeah yeah
0: I, i'll give you the most recent example i was um i, I began at the time of recording we had a refinance done uh, recently um i bought it for fifty-five thousand a couple of years ago two two and a half years ago uh revalued up at 82 um so we we're able to pull and again taking into account two and a half years of cash flow there from, from the rent as well, then, you know, we've been able to pass that money back to the investor. And, you know, that's the most recent example that comes to mind, um, free house pretty much it's, our approach is long-term. It's very, you know, we we've tried many things. We've looked at different things. We've had things that have worked things that haven't worked as well. And, you know, Aaron and I take a very, very long-term approach, to it you know we're both early 30s we're going to be doing this in some capacity when we're like, 50 60 because we've both got a very long-term approach um you know so yeah we're, we're happy to we're happy to to work like that because at the end of the day you know for us the, the key thing is the investor you know the investor's got to be happy and if you can build that rapport with the investor and you can build that trust you know that, that that it's not automatic, but that, that that can lead to a lot of repeat business and if you're dealing with the same pot of finance, it's you know, happy days for everyone really. It's about the win-win situation. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You've you've you bought a several uh, source deals. Have you bought a deal that you uh, it wasn't accurate what they said in the end? Like did you have complications?
0: Yeah, we, we've had a, a couple of deals we've bought. We've had complications with um, you know, re- refurbs weren't what they meant to be. You know, prices changing at the last minute. Um, you know, things that have been found in the property that weren't brought to anyone's attention. And I think in that situation, you, you can really do one of two things. You, you can sit and blame everyone else. Which is easy to do. Uh, we all love moaning in the UK.
1: Yeah. So
0: yeah, it's easy <laughs> to sit down and, and blame other people. And sometimes that's correct. Sometimes there are things where it is valid to, that it is someone else's fault. But the second time now, now, you've got to look at yourself and, you know, if I, if I go back to some of the source deals, um, that, that haven't been as good as they could have been. Um, sometimes they've been things that I've missed. So I've had to, you know, learn that lesson and go, ah, uh, you know, oh, how have I missed that? Right, I make a note of it. So next time I'm out and about looking, um, I've got to look for it. Or next time I speak to a source, I've got to ask that question. So it's about learning from those mistakes and not repeating them. And yeah, we have to look at ourselves first. That's important. And it's a two way street. You know, we cannot just sit here and expect sources to do everything for us. You know, we have to do our own homework, our own analysis, and do our own due diligence. So, yeah, it works both ways.
1: When you did this deal where you parked the money, how could you factor in the capital growth? What percentage did you uh, factor in in your spreadsheet, or how did you know that, okay, in a two years' time, I think we can... uh, pull out all of the money, give back the money to the investor. So your thoughts on that would be great too. Comes down to luck.
0: You've got to do your homework as well. Um, I mean, some of it does come down to luck because at the end of the day, you, you are, when you go to refinance, you are pretty much in the hands of the conveyor, uh, valuer, you know, if the value is having a good day you might get a bit of a more favorable valuation um you know even the weather you know if it's a nice sunny day that might help um but no go go in, in all seriousness you've you you've got to do your homework at the start so we we will never ever guarantee to our investor that everything's going to be 100% it's going to be perfect it's going to be fine because it's property that you know forgive my language that shit doesn't happen you know there are always <laughs> yeah. going to be challenges all the time but you know we will do a homework do the homework on the property are you getting it below market value or are you getting it so you can add enough value to, to warrant a refinance uh, to get the right valuation that you need so you have to run your numbers we don't have a you know, a special calculator for analyzing capital growth because you you're making money when you buy in property. Yeah. You know, common, yeah. common rule of that. That's true. So, um, yeah. Uh, so, so you've got to do your homework and, and a little bit does, does come down to luck. You know, what's your refurb like? What's, you know, is a valuer, believer in that, is a valuer in a good mood on the day of the valuation? You know, are you the first property they're visiting because they're going to be more alert? You know, if they get tired at the end of the day, they're a bit, uh, you know, that might not work in your favor. Um, and, and also, um, hopefully the FCA aren't listening to this, always put a slightly higher valuation when you speak to your broker. You know, if, if, you, if you're aiming for 75, for example, put anything property's worth 85. Even if you know it's not, put down a higher number. Because if you get downvalued, you might still end up with the result you wanted in the first place. So I learned that the hard way. So that's probably a little extra tip of information. Just put down a slight, don't make it ridiculous, but, you know, put down a slightly higher valuation because at the end of the day, if you're doing good property, you want to make sure that your property is the best one in the street. And that should be evident when the valuer walks in.
1: That was a really good tip for you listeners. And for even for me, that was a really good tip. So when when you uh, meet the valuer or if, the, if it's the sourcer, uh, do you know what they bring with them? Uh, is it comparables? What, what do they do? And how should people act? Etc. Yeah,
0: I, again, I'll, I'll answer this as best as I can. So I'm not overly in, in tune with people. So I'll do what I can. Um, sometimes I've attended. Sometimes the tenant's been in. And the tenant's dealt with it. Sometimes the lettings agent has, has dealt with it. Because, you know, despite the fact I, I live in Hull, know I don't I'm not ridiculously hands-on because we've got to start planning for you know when we're traveling around the world we're not going to be in the country to deal with it so we have to put the trust in our power team to do that as well. So um I mean I I, I always would prepare a little pack. So so you do your own homework, you know, go on right move, get those links, get the comparables as well, um have a some photos of what the property looked like before and then what the property looks like, you know, looked like after the refurb was done. Um, list any works that have been done, but don't put the price down. Just list the works that have been done. If you have done works in the property, um, present that in a, a nice little, you know, I don't know, five, six, seven page document um, as well. Put it in a, a little plastic wallet and give it to the valuer. On the day, um, some valuers, every value is different. You know, some won't care that you're giving it to them. Some just don't care. Some will take it and say, thank you. They might never look at it. Uh, and, and some will look at it because you've effectively done their job for them when they come up with a valuation. So everyone's different. But it, it's these little things that can have a massive difference because doing something like that is could lead to you know a different valuation, which could be favourable. In, in terms of, say now I've completely forgot the point I was going to make. I was going to make another good point now, but I forgot what I was going to say. Um, but oh yeah, <laughs> uh, that was it. Um, for me, if a valuer turns up, let them do their job. Do not follow them around the property. Let them into the property. Let them do their job. You know they don't need to know. You know you do not need to walk around and go. Oh, there's a kitchen. It's like, yeah, I can see that, thanks. Yeah, I know what a kitchen looks like. You know, you don't have to tell them that. Um, I I let them in, they do their job, be courteous, you know, even if they're a miserable person, just be courteous, be nice, be be friendly, be smiley, give them the document, let them do their job, they can go home, uh, and you can go home as well. So just just don't
1: happy days.
0: Yeah, don't follow them around, don't be a nuisance. Um I uh, as I say to them you know if you've got any questions let me know I'm just going to wait outside and I'll let you do what you need to do they're in charge they got they're in charge at the end of the day
1: yeah so that leads me into this covid stuff cuz we're in this covid stuff here in Sweden and in the UK the whole world how do you think moving forward now with the mortgages etc are you going for the fixed term like five years two years or yeah what's your take on that
0: well i was asked this recently on a, another interview that i done and uh, i went off on one for about 20 minutes about economics and how the world <laughs> is bollocks um you know we're screwed but i'll try not to do that again but um, I thought it was good. I think what you can do is check out the Property Nomads podcast. So I've actually, we've cut the clip down. So you've just got that answer. So go check that out. Um,
1: I'll leave that in the show notes so people can listen to it.
0: Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, in answer to your question though, um, tough. Really, The bro- it depends on your strategy and it depends what your broker advises you as well, to be fair. Uh, At the moment, we're doing a lot of five-year fixed because, you know, uh, if if we strip back and let's just look at the very basics here of of economics of what's going on as, as we record this. So you might have lockdown, you might not have a lockdown. Of course, here in England, you know, we've got at the moment, probably we've got lockdown. But let's break this down as simply as we can. We have our economy or, you know, to be fair, the worldwide economy is is going downhill, going massively, massively downhill. And the response that uh, governments or, or central banks have had is they're just printing. They're printing and, printing and printing and printing and printing and printing currency, which, you know, OK, that's OK for Well, it's not OK, but the perception of the people is that's OK for the short term. But in the medium term and long term, that is... It's going to be like Armageddon in in the next five years, and it's going to be brutal for everyone, and that's what will happen. The challenge that we've got, though, is that because some genius in Westminster come up with this idea of uh, changing stamp duty, all this pent-up demand from the first lockdown, and investors as well as regular people that are, are buying and selling houses to move, because of the change in stamp duty, They've kind of um, not exploded the market, but all this pent-up demand has just been unleashed on the property market. And, you know, it's created bidding wars and, you know, stuff like that here and there. Now, I don't know what that's going to look like at the end of March, but the point I'm trying to make is that in a time when most of the world is either in a recession or we're having this massive depression, that we're we're a part of, and it's going to be around, it's going to be generational, whether we like it or not, that housing seems to still be shining. And, you know, that's scary, because to me, that is an anomaly, that's a bubble. And all you've got to do is study history, study cycles, and you've got to realise that bubbles will burst. So I'm a bit sceptical from that, and I think that don't get me wrong for people that are listening to this don't take what i say as oh it's doom and gloom it's the end of the world there are always opportunities in property but no matter where we are in the cycle every good entrepreneur entrepreneuress, entrepreneurial person will find a way to make money it it that, that's life but you've got to look at the reality of it you know the the, the psychological impact of the housing market in the moment it is people people looking at it positively well that's good for that's good for the economy despite everything else that's going on but the virus isn't going away the lockdowns aren't going to go away because people are still moving you need to stop everyone from doing everything and create a vaccine that's years away in my opinion and yeah economically it concerns me so that's why we're looking at five year fixed and, and we're not doing too much buying at the moment because our instincts tell us Aaron and myself, that at some point in the next maybe it's 2021 maybe it's 2022 maybe it's 2023 it will burst and when it bursts of course stuff will go down and that's where you want to be again cash rich um, and not be revaluing your properties so that that's why we're looking at five year um at the moment and you know i understand that that might be stuff that people don't want to hear and they might think uh you know rob you're just being skeptical you're just being over cautious no no that's economics, you know you've got, you've got to understand this, yeah. and that's what's happening. It's, it's dangerous, and not many people are seeing it, because we're controlled by you know we're effectively we're being controlled by this virus, but as a society, we've not had to deal with this for over 100 years. Spanish flu is the last one, that was 100 years ago. So, so we can have a recession all day long. That's fine. That's not a problem. That, not an issue. But when you put a virus in and you put a pandemic in. It's a different story, and if people want to kick around with their everyday lives. And again, I get it. I understand that if you work in a theatre or you're working at a restaurant, you know, the fear of being made redundant and not having your job and the pressure that puts on you to pay your bills and pay your I get all that. And that's unfortunately that is just part of what people are going to have to go through. But also, Nana, I would hope that's why, you know, I know we spoke recently, you got into property for various reasons, but. This is also why people like yourself, ourselves, people listening to this, that's why you get into property. Because when the shit hits the fan, yes. like it's gonna, if you're cash flowing okay, you can you can ride it out. And, you know, hey, yeah. but five-year fixed mortgages, yes, that's why. Because we're looking at the economics and going, yeah, we don't want to be refinancing in a couple of years because we, we, we do think that it's, there's gonna, it's, something's going to pop. And, yeah, you don't want to be refinancing then because you're just going to, Get yourself into a negative equity situation which you know isn't necessarily good
1: yeah that's a good good answer and i really uh, i'm also really geeky with the micro <laughs> economics because you need to know what's actually happened, and I don't understand all of this stuff that's really happening in the UK or even in Sweden. It seems like everywhere in the world, people, house prices are just going up. It doesn't make sense. People are redundant, like you said. and They're just printing money. It seems like people are just living in this bubble, you know. And uh, when it breaks or when it cracks or pops, that's uh, when the shit hits the fan, like you said and that's when you want to be and buy like you're saying yeah so definitely totally agree with
0: you i mean i don't know how you feel about this
1: but to me this is scary that
0: people don't seem to understand property investors don't seem to most property investors not everyone i get everyone you know but most people don't seem to understand this because they're they're trying to ride this crest of the wave and going everything's gold and everything's great trust me ain't gonna it's not gonna be but it's a market cycle it's gonna go down you know it's going to get worse and then it'll get better. And then, you know, we'll go through the cycle again that just look at the history of it. You know, there's, there's so much out there. Um, You know, it will have bad times. History always repeats
1: itself. hundred (laughs)
0: percent, hundred percent. But uh, that's me ranting. I've just gone off on one, but yeah, it, I believe people need to understand this more uh, because it will help them make the decision that goes back to your question about what sort of mortgages Always speak to your broker, of course. But if you, get a, if you get a little understanding of economics, that might help you to make a decision about what the most appropriate mortgages are to go for because it helps your overall strategic plan.
1: Yeah. So uh, what do you see in the current mar- market, the changes that have happened, like the demand for uh, property and etc. And- what type of demand? I think, uh, I'll just go
0: back to the stamp duty changes, to be fair, where where they've relaxed stamp duty, and again, that has a really positive impact on on regular people that are looking to move houses. Um, You know, all this demand from this first lockdown has just unleashed itself onto the market. And I know the government are looking at different planning rules and changes and to help make things like that a lot simpler. That's absolutely fine. That's not an issue. But for me, yeah, I just see that there's a lot of demand out there and there's a lot of competition. And that doesn't concern me, but certainly in the last lockdown and the one that we're going to go through in a minute, is I've taken a lot of time to take a step back really from property and actually just focus more on the economic side and go, what's going on here? And you know, as you've just said, it doesn't add up. You know, so yeah, uh, maybe I'm a bit more cautious than most, possibly. And it's not about me, you know, it's not about I'm right, you're wrong or, or you know, when it goes bad Oh, hate to say I told you so on the best. It's not it's not about that. It's about how I look at things. Uh, and you, you, of course, you love macroeconomics as well. We're looking at things a bit differently here and going, hmm, doesn't add up. Something doesn't add up here. And look at the history <laughs> yeah. where when it doesn't add up, it's going to go down. And that's what I think will happen personally,
1: yeah, and I think as well, because both of us are looking for it in the long run, so even if we sit out sit this out one year, two years, or whatever, yeah, okay, it's one, two years, but we're still safe, and the investors' moneys they are safe, and still we have deals that are cash flowing, so it doesn't matter you know, in the meantime as long as you don't you know people sometimes they rush just to expand you know and then when you expand too quickly you just there's no way back yeah. or it's a very long way back so i think your approach is uh, is is great and then at
0: the end of the day as well you know if, if your property's worth a hundred thousand pounds and your cash flow in 200 pounds a month then that's great if your property's worth one pound, but your cash flow is two hundred pound a month, doesn't make a difference, does it? It's all about the cash flow. So,
1: yeah. So, what's your why? Why are you doing this? I know you mentioned uh, a bit of it, but like, do you really have a big why? Why? Travel
0: is is a main thing. Uh, that that
1: that's the thing yeah. that
0: drives us. And and again, that's difficult at the moment you know um so yeah travel is what drives us we want to create this i'm not i I hate using the word legacy but you know we we are thinking you know that well okay we want to create legacy (laughs) so we want to create this um you know thing that's going to stand the test of time and that we can pass on that's right and i'm sure that you know aaron's going to have I imagine Anne will have kids of his own in the future. I'll probably have kids in the future. You know what happens then? I don't. I don't know. That's too far ahead to think about. But really, travel, uh, travel and sport because we love. You know, we're lucky enough to go to Brazil in two thousand and fourteen. Um, yeah, I mean, admittedly, we did. We we you know we worked for that and saved for it. But you know, moving forward, you know, I want to go. You know, we want to go to. If it if it still happens, you know, Qatar two thousand and twenty two. Uh, you know, rugby world cups, you know, cricket world cups, you know, we we love that whole camaraderie, but we also, we also love going off the beaten track. And, you know, we know that if there's assets behind us and the right people are in the right place with the right systems, then, you know, we're going to be able to do that. that. That's it as well. And, you know, we have a duty to other people that want to become financially free in property as well you know, people want a, a decent return on their cash, just like everyone, you know, you do the same with your investors in Sweden, you know, go with the knowledge, build that trust, build that rapport. And if you can help them and you can also help yourself at the same time and create a win-win situation, you know, that's, that's absolutely perfect. So, but no, I, I want to visit every country in the world by the time I'm 50. That's my main driving force. That's my main aim. Uh, and also, you know, to, to have more time to do other things, you know, study new things, visit new places. So that, that's what keeps me going.
1: Wow. What tips can you give us as uh, international investors?
0: What with regards to investing in property?
1: Yep. Okay. Or in the UK in property. Yeah, exactly. Um,
0: well, of course, sort of goes in, goes <laughs> in hand with what we just <laughs> said. Uh, understand economics. Number one understand it. You know, you're never going to get perfect timing, but you can always get good timing if you, like, you, know, if you study hard enough. Um, yeah, one would be understand economics. Number two, there's always opportunities. So it doesn't matter where we are, what's going on, there's always opportunities. Investing internationally, take time to build up your network, take time to study people, work with people. And again, I say this from you know, what I've learned over the years um, takes time to build up trust. You know, there's going to be many people out there that want, you know, to earn a quick, a quick buck. And, you know, there are, as, it, as with any industry, you know, there's going to be bad people out there. Just be careful, um, get involved in the right, you know, networks, listen to the right podcasts. you know, like, of course, this one, R one, there's m- multiple podcasts out there, you know, get that information. That's key. Um, read books. And I've written a couple of books as well. Uh, you can go check them out. Um, I'm sure I'll we'll mention that at the end anyway. And just so cut that information like a sponge. But yeah, take time to build the network. Don't just rush into something. You know, take time to analyze it, understand it. Don't be afraid of making mistakes. You know, we all make mistakes. And, you know, hey, in property, sometimes that costs money. But that is what it is. You, you know, it's part and parcel of business. Don't be afraid. And uh, as you've pointed out, Greatly, Nano. It's know your why, why you're doing it. You know, for me, it's travel. For you, it's your daughter. And you know, everyone's everyone's why is going to be different. So, yeah, uh, um, a multitude of things, really. I mean, there's a lot of great content out there. You know, um, you know I've done training and this and that. You don't have to do it. I mean, I advise that you do. There, there are some, there is some good stuff out there. But you can get a lot of information from books and podcasts and you know just just go out there and and do it really Um, i think there's about 10 things there hopefully they're all useful
1: (laughs) that's good that's good you you cover a lot but that's good so i have this question that i ask all of my listeners if you had unlimited funds who would you get as a mentor if i had unlimited funds Who would I get as a mentor? Yeah. Mm. (laughs) It can be, it doesn't have to be property. It can be everything.
0: All right. I would say, uh, you've caught me off guard. I'm just going to say Jeff Bezos. (laughs) Okay. Um, You know, one of the richest guys in the world. uh, Saw, you know, massive gap in the market. Uh, That was 20, 25 years ago. You know, and there's still there's even more gaps that have appeared in the market, goes from strength to strength. And, you know, if you're going to become the best, you want to learn from the best. So I'd say Jeff Bezos, but that's just off the top of my head. Um, Doing wonders with Amazon. One of the if you want to order something, it's normally the first place you go to, isn't it? So you got to be doing something right.
1: Yeah, they they come. They came to Sweden uh, this uh, month, actually, or end of October. So we, in Sweden, we, we didn't have the real Amazon. So now we have uh, Amazon Sweden. So they came and I think they will just explode here in Sweden. I already ordered two, two, two stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, you usually have to pay for this uh, uh, expenses, like the not the toll, but the transport and etc. When you're buying stuff from the UK or Germany, but now when it's in Sweden, you everything's free. <laughs>
0: it, is, it is what it is. It is I say must be doing something right because you know multi-billion-pound company there. So yeah, I'd, I'd say yeah. Off the top of my head, before I start thinking about it and change my mind, Jeff Bezos is, is who I go for. <laughs>
1: Jeff Bezos. So Robert, if people want to get hold of you, the podcast and uh, see you on social media and yeah, everything, I don't know if you have, yeah, all of you, just let it out there.
0: (laughs) No, thanks for that. I really really appreciate (laughs) that. So
1: I'm lucky enough to have written two
0: books. Um, One is Buy to Let, How to Get Started. and The other is the other one I co-wrote with Aaron and that's 101 Top Property Tips uh, they're available on amazon so you can know, go and check them out I'm, I'm sure the links will be in the show notes in terms of the podcast yeah the property know About podcast yeah go and check us out we're on all the you know major platforms uh Stitcher, itunes spotify that sort of stuff uh we we've got a, a wide range of content you know mostly property related but we do dip into other things as well uh, we release every monday and then sometimes i'll do uh, a ranty episode uh Every Thursday, <laughs> on most Thursdays. So go and check us out there. Uh, you can follow us on social media. We're not too proficient on social media, as you found out. Uh, we don't rep- always reply straight away, but we're working on that. Um, but the easiest way to contact me, without a shadow of a doubt, is email, and that is rob at tpnpodcast.com. I'm quite responsive on email, and that is the, always the best way to get hold of me.
1: Okay. So there you have it, listeners. Contact Rob and listen to his podcast, get his books, and even try to get him to be more interactive on social media. (laughs) He's very old school with emails. No, but uh, just kidding. Uh, You should go and listen to his podcast. It's very good. I've listened to it several times. And I like your rants because they're valuable and... uh, I think if you're geeky like you and me, it's very uh, interesting topics that you bring up when you're doing your rants. I think, uh, but uh, that's that's for the listeners to uh, decide as well.
0: And I appreciate that, Nana. I kind of words. I just try and be myself. You know, I'm not perfect, and uh, I've got a different view from most people in the world. So I'm just happy to be myself, and uh, I just like to say a massive thank you to you know yourself emily as well who's not here today for giving the time today to be able to record this so uh, massive thank you to yourselves as well and uh, you know all the best moving forward
1: thank you thank you the same so people don't be stressed invest Bye.